This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Morning, Faith Christian Family Church. So glad you're with us this morning here on the live stream. I believe you've already been touched through the praise and worship. I want you to hold fast to some things. Remember to trust God. Look to God. My prayers again for you is Joshua 1. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. So we're going to jump in the word here today. Get your Bible. Get your pen, your notebook. We'll begin in Romans 1 to start with. Now, once we go to Romans 1, we're going to go way back into the Old Testament, into the last book of Judges, and then I'll give you some in, insight where we're going to go after that. So as you're turning to Romans 1, let me highlight something. What begins to happen with people is one of the signs of a society that becomes a barren of virtue is that we quit fearing God. We quit worshiping God. We, we quit acknowledging God. And so there's a side within us right now. We claim to know God, but I deny him with my actions and my lifestyle. Now, this is one of the favorite verses of my life. In John 14, 15, the Lord Jesus said, he said, if you love me, obey me. So the way my love is proven or demonstrated is not what I say to the Lord Jesus, but the way I obey Jesus. Now, as we go to Romans chapter 1, this is the, the Apostle Paul writing. And in this chapter, on three times, he used this word, God gave them over or God gave them up. And so this really began to get my attention. So we begin in Romans chapter 1, verse 24. Therefore, God also gave them up or he gave them over. He lifted off his restraining hand. The new living says he abandoned them. Keep reading. He gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves. And so what he's talking about here, he says they, he literally gave them up to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. And God allowed them to do this. Verse 25, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie, and they worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who was blessed forever. Amen. So when it says here that God gave them up, as a people that continued to reject God, he gives them up to increasingly immoral and self-destructive activities. So when you see this right here that God gave them up, allowance doesn't mean agreement. Just because he allowed this doesn't mean he, he agreed with them. Verse 26, the second one. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions or disgraceful passions. For even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. So they begin to reject the guidelines that God gives them. And the Bible has become outdated within our society. But the thing is, society, it doesn't set the standards for God's word. God sets the standards. And when we look at the word of God, even the Ten Commandments of God, God never said these were to be multiple choice. I like this one or I don't like that one. And so we begin to see some things right here that, that God did. Verse 28, this is the third one. And even as, they, even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, 
They didn't see fit to acknowledge any longer. They thought it was foolish or worthless to follow God any longer. Now, when you look at this, the Apostle Paul gives us the insight that these were folk who at one time in their life, they were familiar with God and God's word, his standard for living. But the word of God was not convenient or beneficial for the way they desired to live. So it says, because they wouldn't retain God in their, their knowledge, he gave them up or he gave them over. Now, when you read this, that he says he gave them up or gave them over, it doesn't mean that God quit on them. It literally means this, that God released them to follow their inclinations or their, their uh, flesh or their desires. Look what he says in verse 28. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind, a worthless mindset, to do those things which are not fitting. So God did, he did not give them a debased or a reprobate mind, but he did release them to follow their wayward instincts, even though God knew that their decision had damaging effects. And so literally what happens, they begin to break all the rules of conduct. And so with every one of us, a, a mind that is given continuously to the exposure of evil influences over and over, we lose the ability to discern what's morally right and what's morally wrong. Better stated, we start justifying bad as good and good as bad, not good. So these were the three highlights of what the Paul said God would give them up. Now, I want you to go back, way back into the first part of the Old Testament to the book of Judges, chapter 21. This is the last book of, of Judges. It goes Joshua within Judges. I want to read just one verse in there, the very last verse of Judges, chapter 21, and it'll be verse 25. Now, I'm going to give you a second to get there. After we go through this, we'll go to 1 Samuel 2. We'll take little parts of 1 Samuel 3, and we'll end in 1 Samuel 4. When we study the book of Judges, it's one of the darkest and the saddest times of the Old Testament. When I begin to look at this, I thought, okay, if this time in, in the season of these people's life was so dark, why was it so dark? Judges 21, verse 25. In those days, there was no king in Israel. And everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Whatever seemed right. Whatever they felt like doing. The New International Version says, as they saw fit. Now, let me ask you a question here right now. If you live by your life, by however you felt was right or wrong, where would you end up at? In other words, if you didn't look to the Bible for directions, if you didn't follow the Ten Commandments for direction, I can tell you in my own life that I did that for about 18 or 19 years of my life. I believe this with all my heart, that if I would continue to live how I saw fit, I would either be in jail right now or I would be dead. 
And so what we see here is the reason it was in a dark time. It was the rejection of God's authority. Now, let me highlight something here for you. This wasn't a pagan nation. This was the Israelites. This was God's chosen. Now, if you'll go to the right, we're going to go through Ruth, and then right after Ruth, you go to 1 Samuel. Go with me to 1 Samuel chapter 2. And as you're turning there, we were here a number of weeks ago because I highlighted this woman named Hannah who was barren. She desired to have a child. And remember, because of this one woman's prayer, it ultimately changed the, the outcome for the whole nation of Israel. Now, let me highlight something. This didn't happen overnight. This was years in the making. So when we look at Hannah's burden, God used the burden of this one woman to bring a larger solution to the burden of his own heart. And so Baron was not only Hannah's condition, but it was the condition of the nation of Israel. So you know what God says? I want to raise up a, a godly man. That will speak with the voice of God. That will tell people the truth even though when they don't like it. So now we're going to go into 1 Samuel chapter 2. Look with me in verse number 12. Now I'm going to highlight some things here again that will, it will tell us about the condition of the church in this time. 1 Samuel 2 verse 12. Now the sons of Eli, and Eli was the high priest... His two sons, Phinus and Hophni, they were the priest. Now the sons of Eli, they were corrupt. They were worthless. They did not know the Lord. Now that phrase there, they did not know the Lord, means they did not fear him, nor would they obey him. I want to highlight something again here. These were the priests. These were the leaders of the church. So in God's eyes, they were worthless. They wouldn't fear him or they wouldn't obey him. Now that's a sad state to be in. Same chapter, verse 17. Therefore the sin of the young man, Hophni and Phinus, was very great before the Lord. This gives us a little insight, okay? He didn't say their sin was very great before mankind. He said it was very great before God in the eyes of God. He goes on to say, For the men abhorred or they despised the offering of the Lord. So briefly, let me tell you what's happening here. The people of, of this time, they would bring their sacrifices to Eli's two sons. And these sacrifices were to be given to the Lord as a, as a sin offering. But instead of allowing the, the, the sacrifices to go to the altar, these guys thought it was in the best interest for them just to take it. So literally, these two guys, they were stealing what was God's. They began to rob from God. Now, you're a brave soul to rob from God like that. So now we begin to go on a little further here in Scripture. Go with me. Same chapter, 1 Samuel chapter 2. Look at verse 22. And this is going to give us some credible insight today, okay? Now, Eli was very old, 
And he heard of everything the sons did to all Israel, and how they lay with the women who assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the meeting. Whoa. Whoa. These were God's priests. So not only were these two a bunch of thieves that stole what was God, it literally states here that when women would come to the house of God, whether that was to pray, whether that was to serve, these guys, they were in sexual sin with them. So not only are they a bunch of robbers and thieves, they're sexually immoral. These were the priests, guys. Verse 23. So Eli said to them, Why do you do such things? For I hear of your evil dealings or your wicked dealings from all the people. I hear of your corrupt and evil lifestyles. Now what Eli does here is unbelievable. He criticizes them, but he had the authority to remove them or to set them down for what they were doing. But he doesn't do that. And so I looked at this and I have the thought, why didn't he set them down? Why didn't he remove them? Because he had the authority to do that. But could Eli have the thought, you know what? They're my sons and I'm just going to love them. So what's happened with us with this word named love, it's kind of like grace. Instead of really loving them, we've come to a place called tolerance. So I ask you this question. If he really loved them, then shouldn't he have set them down? Because if you love them, you're going to tell them the truth. And so I think back into this in my life as an early believer. I was a young believer. But I had a guy that was really, really good at holding me accountable. And I remember on several different occasions, he would look at me and he would say this, what you're doing is sinful. It's not right. Now, two things that caused me to listen to him. Number one is this. I knew that he loved me enough to tell me the truth. He didn't pat me on the back and said, you know, okay, it's okay. Just keep doing that. We're just going to love you through it. He would tell me enough to say that's wrong. And the second thing was this, was this guy was incredibly big, and I knew the only way I could whip him was with a bat. So I chose to listen to him. But right here, you begin to get a glimpse of, wow, the high priest is allowing sin underneath him. Verse 24. Now, my sons, for it is not a good report that I hear, you make the Lord's people transgress. So the disease that was in the leadership of the church, it went from the pulpit to the pew. And note the words there. He said, you make my people transgress. Because of your lifestyle and your actions, you cause the people to transgress. So I think of this with Eli and his sons. We like the position of the priest. We like the platform. We like to have a a microphone. We love the prestige. We love everything that goes with this. 
but I cause people to transgress. James 3.1 says this, you who are in the ministry, I'm going to hold you to a stronger judgment. And so this is what he was warning them and telling them. So this isn't a place to get up there and be a, a comic. I'm not called to be a comedian. It's not a place to water down the truth. Understand this. The truth must remain the truth. Verse 25. If one man sins against another, God will judge him. But if a man sins against the Lord, who will intercede for him? Nevertheless, they did not heed the voice of their father because the Lord desired to kill them. Now, how do I get away from that? What does that mean? The statement here, the Lord resolved to kill them, means because they went past or beyond the limit of God's tolerance. So in this situation... This is a severe example of God's justice being uh, mediated in personal history. But I believe this. This becomes a warning to us for future generations. This is what's going to happen. Now I'm going to give you a statement here that I want you to get a hold of today, okay? Tolerance is the counterfeit for repentance. Let me say that again. Tolerance is the counterfeit for repentance. Wow. Interesting, huh? So as we go on in this passage, look in verse 26. So the child Samuel grew in the statue in favor with the Lord and with men. Now God is raising up a, a godly man. He's not there yet, okay? Verse 27. Then a man of God came to Eli and said to him, Thus says the Lord, did I not clearly reveal myself to the house of your father when they were in Egypt in Pharaoh's house? Did I not choose Aaron, him out of all the tribes of Israel, to be my priest, to offer upon my altar to burn incense and to wear an ephod before me? And did I not give to the house of your father all the offerings of the children of Israel made by fire? Now watch where this leads, because in this verse, verse 29, four times... God is going to use the word my. Watch this. Why do you kick at my sacrifices and my offering? In other words, why do you make my sacrifice and my offering? They're not a big deal. You blow it off. Which I have commanded in my dwelling place. Now, God calls the temple, the synagogue, his dwelling place. He didn't say to Eli, your sons, your dwelling place. He said, my dwelling place. In other words, the church is the Lord Savior Jesus. He goes on to say, and you have honored your sons more than me to make yourselves fat with the best of all the offerings of my people. Four times. Verse 30, therefore the Lord God of Israel says, I said indeed that your house and the house of your father would walk before me forever. But now the Lord says, far be it from me. For those who honor me, I will honor. And those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. 
So this is the seriousness of how God views this. How serious was it? He revoked his own promise. When you begin to put your interest above God's, get ready. And so what God does here, he gives a strong warning. And then he highlights the consequences. Go with me to 1 Samuel chapter 3. 1 Samuel 3 gives us a little bit of insight of some stuff right here, okay? Now, the reason I'm going to read this, this is just verse number one. I want to read this because it it highlights another reason, the condition of the, the church right here. 1 Samuel 3, verse 1. Now, the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare or was scarce in those days, There was no widespread revelation. The word was rare because sin always blocks the revelation from God. So think about this here, what he says. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. The word of the Lord was scarce in those days. But there was still a church. So what was the church preaching? What was the church telling people? The focus of the church has always been the word of God. The main thing must stay the main thing. And you get another insight here. Why this time was so dark and so bad is because you highlight what he says in scripture over and over. When they did what was right in their own eyes or the word of the Lord was scarce. 1 Samuel 3 verse 11 Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do something in Israel at which both ears of everyone hears it. It will tingle. Now the word tingle was a a figure of speech here that indicates the horror that was about to occur to Eli and his sons. And you know what God's saying? Everybody in Israel is going to get a witness this, what's going to take place. Verse 12, in that day I will perform against Eli and all that I've spoken concerning his house from the beginning to the end. For I have told Eli that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity or the prolonged sin, which he knows because his son made themselves vile and he did not restrain them. The word restrain there says, He did not rebuke them. He knew their their outrageous behavior. He knew their, their sin. He knew what was going on over and over, but he would not restrain them or rebuke them. Why? Because he feared man more than he feared God. Now, I can say this today looking in the camera. I applaud people that still desire the word of God. I applaud them that say, tell us the truth, even when at time it hurts. It's not always fun. I applaud people that welcome correction. I applaud people that welcome a rebuke when it's done out of love. Instead of running, instead of leaving the truth, I applaud people that stand fast and say, tell me the truth. And so Eli wouldn't do that. And you're going to see in these upcoming verses 
the condition that the nation of Israel was in because of this. Verse 14. And therefore I have sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. You may underline what was just said there. He marked them with a forever. In other words, not for a weekend, not for a week, not for a month, not for a year. But these guys would be marked for eternal. Now I want you to go with me to the book of 1 Samuel 4. And I told you we would jog through this. I'm going to go in a little more depth in this chapter, okay? So hang here with me. 1 Samuel chapter 4. Verse 1. Now Israel went to the battle against the Philistines. Now Israel went to the battle against the Philistines. Now if you've studied scripture, you find the Philistines, they were a a nuisance to Israel forever. That was the descendants of Goliath. Who are the Philistines? The Philistines are the descendants of Ham, Noah's son. If you were to study the Philistines, their location is in the southern coast on the Mediterranean Sea in Israel. One of their main five cities is a city called Gaza. May help you to identify who these guys were. So Israel went to battle against the Philistines. And they encamped besides Ebenezer and the Philistines encamped in Aphek. Then the Philistines put themselves in battle array against Israel. And when they joined battle, Israel was defeated by the Philistines. Now, I highlighted that. I've got that underlined. Wait wait a minute. The Philistines were the enemies to the Israelites. God's chosen. But if I read this correctly, it says, and then Israel was defeated by the Philistines. How could that happen? This was God's chosen people who killed about 4,000 men of the army in the field. So on that one day, 4,000 men that were God's chosen, they die at the hand of the Philistines. Verse 3. And when the people had come into the camp, the elder of Israel said, Now listen to this. Listen to this statement. Why has the Lord defeated us today before the Philistines? Why has the Lord defeated us today before the Philistines? They blame the Lord for a defeat that was brought on by their own sin and ignorance. And the reason I want to highlight that, because I believe as Americans, there's oftentimes we think God's always watched over America. God's always taken care of us, and he has. But what about this verse, when people begin to get into sin and they ignore the things of God? So look at the end of verse 3, and look at the Israelites. Look what their reasoning is now. Let us bring the Ark of the Covenant. And the Ark of the Covenant was a chest. It was like a treasure chest, which complained, uh, it contained the tablets of the law that, that Moses brought. And the Ark of the Covenant was also representative of the presence or the glory of the Lord. So they said, 
Let's go and get the ark of the covenant of the Lord from Shiloh to us, that when it comes among us, it may save us from the hand of our enemies. So they're convinced. All we have to do is get the ark. All we need to, to get us to save us is we got to have the ark. And it'll reverse our fortunes. Remember, we're covenant. We're God's chosen. But we don't have to obey. We don't have to ask God to do what he asks us. If you love me, obey me. And so again, they get over and they think that God is obliged to protect them because of who they were. Even though they knew God, they just didn't honor him as God. 1 Samuel 4, verse 10. You get ready. This, this will almost bring you to tears when you read this. So the Philistines fought and Israel was defeated. And every man fled to his tent. There was a very great slaughter. And there fell of Israel 30,000 foot soldiers. Time out. They get the Ark of the Covenant. It's there. Which the Ark of the Covenant really to me is the presence of the Holy Spirit on the inside of me. But they bring the Ark there and they go into battle. And now in this next battle, 30,000 die. And a couple days before, 4,000. So I'm sure the Israelites are really scratching their head saying, wait a minute, wait a minute. We're God's chosen. There's a blessing upon us. Again, it shows me the disease of sin that when it starts in the pulpit and it goes to the pew, it becomes very contagious. Verse 11. Also the ark of God was captured. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, both died. A result of a prophecy of 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 34. Remember God had warned. Unless there's true repentance, boys. You're going to be taken out. God had warned them over and over of the consequences. But they blew it off and they had the thought... We've been priests. We've done this year after year after year. But not now. Verse 12. Then a man of Benjamin ran from the battle line the same day. And he came to Shiloh with his clothes torn and dirt on his head. And anytime you see this, their, their, their clothes are torn and dirt on them. It's a sign of incredible grief and pain and mourning. And that's how he shows up. Verse 13. Now when he came, there was Eli sitting on a seat by the wayside watching. For his heart trembled for the ark of, the, uh, the ark of God. And when the man came into the city and told it, all the city cried out. So this guy comes in and he says, listen, the ark of the covenant has been stolen and the city erupts and cries in fear, in torment. Why? They knew what that symbolized. Verse 14. 
And when Eli heard the noise of the outcry, he said, what does the sound of this tumult mean? And the man came quickly and told Eli. Now Eli was 98 years old and his eyes were so dim that he could not see. Then the man said to Eli, I am he who comes from the battle and I fled today from the battle line. And he said, what happened, my son? So the messenger answered and said, Israel has fled before the Philistines. Not good. And there has been a great slaughter among the people. It's getting worse. And also your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, are dead. And the ark, of the, God, the ark of God has been captured. Then it happened when he mentioned the ark of God that Eli fell off the seat backward by the side of the gate and his neck was broken and he died for the man was old and heavy and he judged Eli for 40 years. I go back to, this was such a dark time. When we don't talk about the word of God and when we don't talk about the fear of God. See, I believe with all my heart, God's a God of love and God's a God of mercy and grace, but he's also a just God. Now I'm gonna end in these last few verses here because it gives us insight. Verse 19 through 22. Now Eli, his daughter-in-law, finest wife, was with child due to be delivered and when she heard the news that the ark of God was captured and her father-in-law and her husband was dead, she bowed herself and gave birth for her labor pains came upon her. And about that time of her death, she dies in childbirth. The woman who stood by her said to her, do not fear, you have borne a son. But she did not answer, nor did she regard it. Then she named the child Ichabod, saying, the glory has departed from Israel because the ark of God had been captured and because her father-in-law and her husband. And she said, the glory has departed from Israel for the ark of God has been captured. The glory of the Lord has departed from Israel. One of the darkest days in the history of the church right here. Now, I can tell you, God cleaned house. He purged it. Before long, this man Samuel arises. But I want you to note something here. The glory of the Lord has departed. Meaning the presence of God has departed. God is no longer with us. Now, let me highlight something again for you. This was not a pagan nation or a pagan people. These were God's chosen. This was the Israelites. And when I read this, my heart is this, Father God, I, I don't want to grieve you. I, I want to honor you. I, I want to fear you. I want to see your mercy and your grace again. And it's like God is saying to every one of us right now, turn to me. Look to me. Call to me. And even in our, our society here in America, many will say, I believe in God, but I live as if he didn't exist. And so when I read these passages here, I believe this with all my heart that this is why the, the prophet 
Isaiah said in Isaiah 60 verse 1, he said, Arise, shine, for his light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. And so I believe with all my heart that God is looking for people that will say, Oh, Father God, we've transgressed. We've sinned. And I highlight what I said earlier again. The word tolerance is the counterfeit to repentance. That I believe God wants to pour his glory back on us. And he wants to move in our homes and our families again. But until we acknowledge God... And, and, and we welcome the God. So we welcome God back into our lives and homes. I'm going to ask you two questions here today. Have you override or have you overrode God's word and you've lived how you felt was right in your own in your own eyes? You've said, Well, I think this is right, or I think this is wrong. Remember Judges 21-25, where we started. Have you kicked God out of that area and said, Father God, your commandments are multiple choice. I I like one, two, and three, but I hate four and five. See, I've got to come to the, the place in my life where I think, you know what? I'm not here to please people. I'm here to please God. And I'll say here, standing on this pulpit today, if I've done stuff to offend you, I, I repent for that. But I'll never apologize for the word of God. It's only the truth that sets people free. The second area I want to highlight is the the word of God scarce in your life. Is the uh, the word of God, is it rare in your home? Have you come to a place where you look at the philosophies of man? Have you looked to human opinion above this? Because anytime we do, we're going to get in trouble. And I highlight this to America today, to the church of our Lord and Savior Jesus. This was the church in Shiloh. I'm not exempt. And so right there where you're at today, I ask you to bow your head. Bow your head. And let's go before the Lord with this right now. Father God, we repent. We repent of not fearing you and worshiping you. And Lord, we repent for saying, oh, I believe in God. And then the minute I leave the church, I deny you with my lifestyle. Father God, we repent for tolerance. Instead of telling people, you gotta go and repent. Lord, we ask you to forgive our nation of the sin, the sins of my life, the sins of my home. And Lord, arise and shine back on the inside of, for you said your glory has risen upon us. And so I'm going to let our praise and worship team sing here this morning. I, I ask you in your prayer, so Holy Spirit, birth within my home a fear of God. Oh, Holy Spirit, move with me with the John 16 that you were sent to convict of sin. I welcome that. 
that, oh, Father God, what a blessing to say, I call on the Lord today. I look to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So join in here with our praise and worship team as we sing. Bless you, okay? In Jesus' name. For I was lost, I was yours. Before I was not, with the scars for all my mistakes, and that part just
salvation back into homes, back into lives right now, and fill us with your spirit. Oh, Lord, we, we welcome your glory. We welcome your presence. Father God, everyone watching this live stream, we pray health over them. We pray, Father God, this upcoming week that they have encounters and experiences with you. And Lord, we cry out to you. We call out to you today. We heed your word. We heed the consequences that go with what you tell us. And Lord, we ask you, bless us. Bless this upcoming week. And Lord, over all the saints of God, I speak over them right now. You're going to have a blessed week this upcoming week. The, the God who said, I bless my righteous and my favor surrounds the like a shield. I loose that on you. And I pray your blessings. And so touch hearts like you can only do, Father God. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm going to tell you, we love you. I'm for you. I welcome your comments. I welcome your prayer requests. If Faith Christian is your church, we're praying over you, especially all of you that are getting up and going to work every day. God bless you. I tell you right now, God is moving, okay? Hang on to God. Walk by faith and not by sight. God will bless you. We love you in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.